Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Jared, welcome to TechTastic. It's lovely to have you here. Hey, Christian. It is lovely to be here. How are we today? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing very, very well. It's a definitely exciting moment. I get the chance to meet with you for the first time. I've heard so much about your podcast. Oh, well, that's great to hear. So uh, one of the big topics that we keep talking about on this podcast is AI and its impact on almost every aspect of our lives in the same way that the internet did and the computer and the mobile phone and you know all these different technologies. Now, your specific area of expertise is you've got a professional network called Gaggle Social, and it's more on the social media side, but recruitment, hiring, workforce trends, and we've never really talked about that on this show. The question I would have on that is LinkedIn's principal place most people go looking for a job. It is the social platform for career professionals. And it has a great tool as a hiring manager for finding talent. In fact, I found it amazing to use. I'm like, I'll put myself in, say, find me another me, and it'll find me four more me's. Is AI really gonna have a big impact in the hiring process when you've already got such an amazing tool out there that people are heavily using? Uh, I definitely would say so. And I think that the AI that can be created and innovated uh, on that can really improve the way that the search happens across multiple different disciplines other than, you know, just the social media or the, I guess you could say job platform as type of builds. I mean, they're building a lot of AI into the ATS systems that are attracting our applicants, make sure they hold on to those that are directly linking into LinkedIn and dumping that directly in there. You know, we're doing a lot of innovations that we're building right now in AI that are going to help you to search more efficiently and more effectively so that way you can kind of use generative prompts to really find the right people and so much more that's going to allow you to actually expand that search from finding four more use to potentially finding six more on top of that to you know, 10 more quickly as well as being able to identify you know areas where you may be not as proficient in but you need to find somebody who can kind of fill in some of those gaps for yourself as well as maintain some of the areas that you're doing now you say you want to phase out of a business or you wanted to you know expand what it is that your individual responsibilities and requirements are as a business owner or as a, a department leader i saw a demo yesterday of a product called clearpath it's a friend of mine he's the ceo of it uh his demo is amazing but one of the things that they did in there was really related to this subject and was really fascinating to me because it's a common problem at the large enterprise this isn't their core product. It's just one of the things they added into it. But they built an AI templating tool that allowed you to apply your style guides, your job description, your standards in a chat AI interface so that you could say, hey, I'm hiring for this role. And then it would fill out all the HR paperwork. It would you know, generate the job description, all that fun stuff. And that's the way I was thinking of it being like directly impacting it. It's going to be this ancillary tool that's part of your arsenal as an enterprise. But what you were talking about is like being able to uncover that hidden 
Like, what are you missing from your team that maybe you don't even know you have missing from your team? Yeah, I mean, honestly, acting, you know, similarly to how a keyword pull would look like, right? And, and it's almost like being able to dump in, whether that just be, you know, one set of skills or whether that be, you know, multiple team members, skills at a time, and being able to kind of build out that overall arching profile and then going ahead and trying to figure out, you know, what it is that you may be lacking as a team or lacking as a professional and then put that into play on how you're going to go ahead and search widely. And those are some of the things that we're trying to practice now and some of the ways that we're trying to innovate on top of that. I mean, at the end of the day, AI is going to be designed to, and there's a lot of people who are really scared about AI taking your jobs and, and you know, robbing you from, um, you know, being able to provide innovation to your organizations. But I think it really, what it comes down to is that AI is going to help us to, to do more of that because we'll have more time to think. We'll have, be, we'll have more time to brainstorm, we'll have more time to innovate, right? So by taking away some of this mundane or very monotonous task building, like trying to identify those gaps using your own you know, vision or your own brain power, you can kind of figure out where you're gonna have to slot going forward and, and that'll make your entire process a lot faster. I mean, we're trying to make the process even faster than we do now. And we you know we've been able to link just in some testing alone that uh, our process is effectively 30% faster on average than you know what we've been seeing in the past using some of the one-size-fits-all approaches that you know come with LinkedIn or Indeed. That's a major advantage, especially when you're a small enterprise getting up and going, that 30% of your time being put back towards building a product instead of spending it on the mundane, huge value. Right, right. And then if we can reduce that even further than that 30% through deeper AI, think about how much faster and quicker it'll be if we can take those 200 applicants or so and whittle them down to actually being 20 really good applicants, which is kind of what we do now. But if we can make that even happen faster, we can make that search kind of global and we can check different boards and, and bring that information in. I mean, those are all some of the areas that we think can really improve your tech talent search and really take us away from being that 62-day cycle to being more of a 25 to 30-day cycle. So when I work with a recruiter long-term, we develop a shorthand. Like uh, I'll say, now if Ted's listening, he's going to think this is funny because he knows who I'm talking about. Um, hey, Karen, I need another Ted. And she'd say, oh yeah, and she knows exactly what I mean by that. It's not even skills, it's personality, it's a particular like way of thinking and skills. I can imagine a tool like what you're describing doing something like that. But uh, the thing I want to pick apart just for a second, because I'm trying to understand it, is when you form a team, there's skill gaps that you'll know you're missing. You're going to say, like, I really need a UX person. I don't have one and I need it. But that's usually not what's really missing from the team, right? It's I need a cheerleader or right. I need the coach. Right. How do you get to that? Like a lot of people don't know that that's what they're missing. They look for the skills gap, but there's more to it. There's that yeah. role they play in the team that maybe isn't well-defined. Right, right. And that kind of also falls into the soft skills area as well, right? Of things that you normally wouldn't be able to define as an area that is absolutely transparent. You know, it doesn't come across in, in text. It doesn't come across in conversation easily either. Something that you have to identify through communication. And this is where we're going to be able to start really working with some of those companies like Gallup who create, you know, very, very hands-on assessments and tests to figure out what kind of personality type you are, you know, what type of values you can bring to a team that's more intrinsic rather than extrinsic. You know, we're not talking about bringing in business. We're talking about how do we move the team forward? How do we move 
the group as a whole or how who's going to be that person who's going to be able to catch some of those uh, individual aspects that you know maybe make a team go around right and that's where some of these personality tests are really going to be really important and building those into generative properties generative ai is really going to be very helpful in trying to build and match those now the bigger question is going to be getting everybody on board with that so that way they can build out that portion of their profiles because that's what it really comes down to right every job board that you have is profile building right every you know you go to linkedin you go to indeed you go to you know gaggle social you go to any of them you're going to always find an opportunity for you to have to build a profile out and that is primarily because we want to personalize your experience and we want to give you the best possible user experience across the board in order to do that you have to be on board with that right you have to want to give us that data you have to want to reclaim that this is what i do this is who i am this is my face to my name this is where i've worked uh and, it, and that's tedious to build also right absolutely so yeah. that's why those personality tests people aren't going to see an immediate reason behind that but that's what's going to really fill in those cracks that you know you wouldn't even quite face value can a gap because you just don't know that they don't exist right or you don't think about them until you're there and you're like well he's really quite like samantha right who who used to do this for us or or joe who used to handle making sure that all of the meetings were transcribed right yes. <laughs> so and those are areas that you don't normally have to tell somebody to do if they just go ahead and do them how can we make sure that we have detail-oriented professionals who are also highly skilled in what we're looking to build onto? You just reminded me of a conversation I had with somebody not long ago about hiring. And I, I said that they're making the mistake of thinking of their positions like football. And in fact, all their positions are like soccer, right? Yeah. Um, so anybody who doesn't understand the metaphor I'm using there in football, a position is very well, like you have a very specific job you do. I'm the quarterback. My job is to find the open receiver, throw the ball or hang it off to the running back. I'm the person setting up. If I'm a lineman, I'm to block. But in soccer, it's a flowing thing and you fill the gaps that are needed. Like the ball's loose in a particular zone. I'm going to get myself open, whatever. It's a flowing, moving thing. And most organizations think of their roles like the football player. They're like, I need a team lead. And it's like, well, no, you don't. What you need is that note taker in the meeting person, that person that's going to take. And I don't mean that they take notes in the meeting but the person that's going to take ownership about sharing communication. I'm going to need that person that's the cheerleader when we're all down in the dumps because it's not moving forward at speed or there's been a problem. The person that's going to say, hey, let's get up and try one more time, like that's going to motivate. That's the thing yep. we're looking for. And your point about the insights, Myers-Briggs, the personality tests being a critical part of that, 100% true. But I, I find that most organizations don't even know what they have. They couldn't describe their teams that way. Sure. And you know, that's a good point. Glad you brought that up, right? Because that's the way that we think over at Gaggle Social, right? Which is that positions are literally just titles, right? And titles obviously are just titles as well. What role that you play in a given position is far, far more important and far more, uh, I guess you could say addressable and relatable than you know, saying that, you know, I'm a project manager. Well, let's talk about technology, right? So I'm a project manager can mean I manage projects, so I'm a project manager. I'm an admin because I have admin access and I can give accesses across the board. Maybe I'm a technical project manager, so that means I'm also kind of a developer, right? And I, I might have some architectural skills and I can put all of these things into play, right? But at the end of the day, how can I have transferred that information, translated that information to you off of one title on a resume? Which is why, you know, through us, we make sure that we emphasize that very importantly, right? And that's kind of how we do things differently. Our skills matrix is broken down into roles that you have occupied 
in a given technology or experience, right? So that way you're not just saying, I'm a project manager. Well, that's well, what does a project manager mean to, uh, you know, McDonald's? Is going to mean completely different to what it means to Logitech, right? <laughs> At the end of the day, there are two different requirements, two different needs, and they're expecting two completely different outcomes from your level of work or your level of effort. And in many cases, people are going to not know that there are those layers, right? And what one call a title, right? You know, a chief information officer can also be your CTO, right? And they'll only be on paper as this chief information officer, but they've played with the infrastructure, they've played with the security, they've played with the actual product itself. I mean, it, it evolves, and it, it's more than just a three-letter title or a couple of words that say showcase. You know, this is what I was hired to be considered. God, there's so many good points in there. The uh, I, I find that especially in the technology sector, uh, a lot of these roles have loose definitions anyway. Like what is a senior software engineer? It's just the simplest one. When does somebody become a senior software engineer? What have they done? What have they accomplished? What are their skills? What roles have they played? Can't answer that because it's different everywhere you go, right? Yeah. But back to the point of the team not knowing what it has, they also don't know what they need because most of the people that are sitting in the spot of doing the hiring itself say, I lost my project manager. I need a project manager. Well, what did the project manager do? You know, what roles were they fulfilling for you? Do you know all the roles on your team? Do you know what all the positions that need to be played are? And the answer is almost always no. Yeah. And so helping an organization even understand, here's the pieces you need to be a successful team is also missing. So how do you help them with that piece? Or do you? Right. That's the area where there's like is so much gray area there and there's so much overlap. And a lot of that has to do with consolidation, right? A lot of that has to do with, I know that I need this. I know that I need this, but I know that there is overlap. So rather than having those two cannibalize each other, I'll just combine them, right? And now this person's a project manager, an admin, a developer, and an architect. That's when they're overworked. And then you have a hard time hiring somebody who does the same thing later. And you're like, you know what? Jerry was such a good worker. Jerry was exhausted. Jerry yeah. was exhausted. And that's why he left. And that's why he got a better job somewhere else because of consolidation, right? And it has a lot to do with, you know, identifying where is the end of that overloading or that off-putting, right? And how do you identify what is too much and what is too little for someone to handle? And that, I think that has a lot to do with also, now we're kind of getting into layoffs too, because layoffs kind of falls into, I gave this person a job because I thought that they would have a lot to do, but now I found out that because I gave this person some of the responsibilities and they were able to handle it, well, now I don't really have as much of a need for them and I'm paying a lot of money for them. So I, I need to now figure out either what we can do to make this person more productive, or unfortunately I'm going to have to cut them. And that is very difficult to identify when that area is as well. So it's a slippery slope, yeah. Chris. It, it, is, it goes, it goes ebbs and flows, and it's it's a very strange bell curve. I've been through a few rifts where we were laying people off, and it's almost never that that causes the layoff. It's usually okay. across the board when you cut from fifteen percent of our payroll to right. numbers, right? right? And so people are like. Well, I guess I can combine my tech lead and my project manager because they do a lot of the same stuff. Right. And then you overload the role and you do that all over the place and you don't know you're doing it because you get six months reprieve from that change while everybody's like, well, we haven't figured out our new roles. By the time the person's left, you've kind of figured out you made the mistake, but it's too late. Personally, I think layoffs are the kiss of death. If you do them, you have yeah. ruined your corporate culture for at least a decade and it will oh, not yeah. recover. Uh, and so places that go through them frequently, just avoid. But the point being like, you should cut lines of business 
not individuals from team. If, if you need to reduce your headcount, cut lines of business, just quit doing things. We're not going to do that anymore. Exactly. You know, this is not leading to immediate return on investment, but my human capital is worth way, way more than some bucks, right? Let's move this forward and let's repurpose team members. Let's change some of the requirements. Let's change some of the areas that they overlap on. Let's make it so that way they're more successful in their role and in turn will be more successful for our business. As opposed to, let's try to fit these square pegs in these round holes <laughs> until we make a couple of bucks and then we say, well, five years from now, three years from now, right? It never really was a good idea to begin with. And we unfortunately hurt a lot of people's feelings and unfortunately let a lot of people go, right? And then that's when you really can look back and say, we really did ruin our company culture. So you you hit that one on the head for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely difficult to put a finger on it and definitely difficult to put, a, I guess, a direct pin on where some of those gaps are in skill when you're talking about repurposing, reconnecting, reestablishing, or I guess consolidating, you know, roles as a whole, uh, as opposed to, you know, bringing on new titles and new names, I guess you could say. I'll give my personal opinion on the guidance on that one. It relates to the technical architecture. I think that those organizational design roles and technical architecture are very much the same problem. And yep. uh, the rule is I start off with a team of generalists that are going to build the monolith and they're going to build the thing as fast as they can together. Over time, I'm going to scale it, which means I'm going to start specializing different parts of it. And I'm going to break up the code. I'm going to break up the organization. I'm going to break up roles. I never combine roles. I only split roles. So I might have exactly. you know, that former team lead is now a project manager or he's a tech lead, but he's not the team lead anymore. He's one of those two. Right. That's always been my guidance for teams. And if you make the mistake of doing the opposite, you're in deep, deep doo-doo. You're screwing oh, yeah. it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, that just leaves too many bad dates and too many people's mouths. And it really creates a very volatile mask. And But the thing about it is that that's a very common mistake. It is. And it happens every day. It happens all over the place. People don't really, I think, realize also the strain that it puts uh, as a whole across the organization or, or even across just a team itself. I mean, even if you're doing it on a small focus group or area, right? When you do consolidate, you are asking to overload. When you split, you're asking for growth. Right? You're expanding things laterally so that way you can now expand things vertically. Right, It creates a growth trajectory as opposed to a ticking time bomb. <laughs> ticking time bomb overloading and underappreciation. Exactly right. So agree with you. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. The issue when you run into that in an organization, especially if you're brought in in a leadership role, you're looking at these things that have happened in the past and you're trying to figure out like people, process, product, like what's wrong? Why was I brought in? What am I trying to fix? And I've often come back to the same statement. It's almost never the people. If there was good gatekeeping at the beginning and good hiring practices at the beginning and the people want to be there, all you need to do is reignite their passion around it. Like, why did they want to be there? Why did they apply for this job in the first place? Let's get them back to that and you're going to get a lot out of them. But that means there's right. something else broken. Maybe we consolidated too much in your role as five people's previous roles, but through all the weirdness that happens, which creates another problem, the keystone problem, right? Where you've got uh, one person who's holding the keystones, one in the middle that holds the thing up. Yeah. Um, because of consolidation, they're the last person standing. So you remove them, the whole thing falls apart. Well, guess what? Right. They're leaving one way or another, right? They're going to burn right. out. Right. They're going to quit or they're going to die at some point, right? So they're going <laughs> to leave. Right. right. Either way. And, you know, and that's, uh, that's an interesting point too, that you spoke to, because, you know, I do feel very strongly about the fact that a lot of hiring managers, a lot of hiring teams who don't establish an understanding of what 
someone's true motivators are. And I think that's powerful. I think it's powerful to know what drives your employees. It's fairly powerful to understand what makes your team members happy, what fulfills your team members' passion. And I think that without fully establishing that and having a continuous running tab as an HR department of really the motivators uh, of, of what a team member does, you'll never fully be able to give them a personalized experience as an employee in your organization. And I think that's the way that we're really starting to move with this very volatile market that we're in is that the power is in the hands of the candidates for the first time in a long time. Candidates are leaving left and right. I see it every day. I'm on LinkedIn and somebody goes ahead and they're like, why did I leave my job without a job opening? Well, I'll tell you. Well, you know, they're really sticking it to the man right now because you know what? People are like, you know what? Me too. And they're going to do the same thing. And you're going to build that culture and people are doing it as a whole. And it's because under representation and under value, right? And that is only possible if I could understand what really moves you as an individual and what really sparks passion in you so that way I can continue to motivate you and I can continue to make it a place where you're proud to work for. And no one's keeping running tabs. No one really quite understands. No one really quite knows what makes me happy. I mean, you can ask anybody. Realistically speaking, you're, you're only going to really quite know what's inside someone's heart, what's inside someone's passions if you ask them. And I've never been asked, you know, what motivates you to do hard work in an interview? you i've never been asked that you know three four weeks after work and sometimes i leave a job and you know i can tell you that the people that i worked with had absolutely no idea what drove me what made me excited what made me happy and it all comes down to a lack of transparency a lack of ask you have to ask that question no one's gonna just tell you people are uncomfortable with that people don't just go ahead and say yeah, this is what i do this is what makes me happy <laughs> it's not something that's common knowledge or common discussion and if it's supposed to be from hr's i'd handle those things and understand what it is that moves you chances of them having knowing that without having to ask you that especially if there's no overlap in your departments is very little a lot too much unsurety absolutely jared hey jared from gaggle social it was lovely having you on the program we're out of time is there a website i should be sending people to it's gagglesocial.com and i believe you have an app right so we have a web app um, accessible through Google or Microsoft Edge or Firefox. Uh, and yes, yeah, so you got www.gagglesocial.com. Uh, and, you know, really looking forward to seeing anybody who, who wants to improve or streamline their tech hiring or tech job search. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.